A lone officer who evicts an old woman from her home finds herself the recipient of a supernatural curse. Desperate, she turns to a seer to try and save her soul, while evil forces work to push her to a breaking point. Why, hello! I didn't see you there. You interrupted me working. Let me just put all these bloody tools away. And welcome to Law and Horror, a podcast where we dissect horror movies and the real lore behind them. I'm your host, Julie. In a horror movie, I would die investigating the strange sound. And I'm your other host, Jeanette. I would survive a horror movie by hiding until I'm forgotten. Oh, so how is your whole quarantine situation going? It's... it's going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah holy smokes yeah uh, yeah i was snapchatting you all this evening as we made the mistake of going to the grocery store and there is nothing on any of the shelves it's insane yeah i i went to the grocery store yesterday and i was able to get everything on my list but there was definitely a lot of empty shelves weird things too i mean i guess that they're getting non-perishables they being mm-hmm. you know hoarders or whoever 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 feels safer by stocking up on things that's completely within people's purview but things like ramen are just completely gone (laughs) yeah it's it's interesting but then but Mm -hmm. then we have like we had every kind of bacon you could ever want at my grocery store but there was no ramen oh man we had no bacon you had no bacon (laughs) colorado no bacon coloradans know what's up (laughs) Alaskans are like, there's going to be an apocalyptic snowstorm, and we're going to lose power, and we're just going to eat raw raw ramen noodles. (laughs) Yeah, that's all you get. Yeah, no, I mean, I was just shocked. Like, we've seen it done in in stages where stuff has been wiped out, but this was every single thing seemed to be wiped out. And then even when it got to, like, the meat... um, you know, they have signs posted that you're only allowed to take so many, like only one family can check out with this much. And uh, yeah, I heard some was... stories about that with granola up here. Oh, that's kind of adorable. I... Like you guys stock up on your granola. I, I guess that's not, <laughs> that's not how I view Alaskans. So it's kind of here funny. in the Midwest. We're all about our meat. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's just that a lot of people up here hunt their own meat. So, like, I've got two moose in my coolers. I need fucking granola for my yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I do I do want to follow up really quickly. I do have a little, a little update. So, uh, last week when we were recording The Forest, um, I very distinctly proclaimed that I did not believe in ghosts. <laughs> and you were like, you just jinxed yourself. Yeah, super bad. And you were right. As usual. <laughs> As usual. <laughs> so, so Aaron and I, we were watching uh, Doctor Sleep. We rented that the other night. And three times during the movie, near the end, when stuff is going and it's it's happening and we're back at the Overlook Hotel. So that's where I was really into it. Uh, the power went out like three times. <laughs> And there is something about already having the lights off and the doors open at the Overlook Hotel 
uh, at the elevator for that blood scene to be recreated, and then, you're just alone in darkness. (laughs) Well, you weren't alone. Aaron was there. Yeah, that's true. Would Aaron be useful (laughs) in a horror movie? I don't think I've ever asked you that before. That's a really good question. I think so. I think he keeps me level-headed, but I think based on what's been going on with the quarantine, it would take some time for him to believe me if something was going on. What are his hiding skills? Because I don't feel like Aaron would be a good hider. (laughs) He thinks when he hides with, like, when he'll play with Juno a lot, he'll try to hide from her, and she just runs straight to him, and she's like, I can see you. I imagine Aaron hiding behind a tree like a cartoon character. (laughs) Yeah. Just like the skinniest little tree and just like, you can't see me if I can't see you. (laughs) Oh, man. But yeah, it was it was it was so funny. And and yeah, exactly. Like you said, just I could just hear your voice going like, I told you so. (laughs) Speaking of the last episode, I did ask my friend Neo whether she Mm -hmm. and her twin sister Keo have twin telepathy and she said ah, no. they say? She said no and looked at me like I was crazy. So. What? But it's in so many movies. <laughs> well, she didn't look at me. We were talking over Snapchat, but her response, <laughs> her response was very like, girl. <laughs> eye roll emoji. <laughs> I honestly don't think it was an eye roll response. I think she was confused. Huh. That's disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. All so right, twins well. don't have superpowers. From the three sets of twins I am close to. I cannot speak for any twins except for the three that I know. The three sets that I know. more than I know, so. You want to introduce the movie that we're discussing? Yeah. So we are doing the 2009 Drag Me to Hell. It's written by Sam and Ivan Raimi. Directed by Sam Raimi. And the actors that are most notable in it are Allison Lohman and Justin Long. So if you're already familiar with the movie, just go ahead and skip about three and a half minutes uh, to jump the summary. In 1969 Pasadena, a Hispanic couple seeks the aid of a young medium named Sean Sandina, saying their son is ill and hears evil voices after stealing a silver necklace from a gypsy wagon, despite trying to return it. Sandina carries out a seance, but they are attacked by an unseen force that drags the boy to hell. Sandina vows to fight the demon again one day. Forty years later, in present-day Los Angeles, bank loan officer Christine Brown vies for a promotion with conniving Stu Rubin. Her boss advises her to demonstrate tough decision-making. An elderly and disheveled European gypsy woman, Sylvia Ganesh, asks for a third extension on her mortgage, but Christine denies her. Sylvia begs on her knees to not repossess her house, cries, and makes a sad spectacle. Security arrives as she tries to compose herself, accusing Christine of shaming her. In the parking garage, Christine is violently attacked by Sylvia, who rips a button from Christine's coat and curses it. Later, Christine and her boyfriend, Clay, visit a seer fortune teller, Ramjas, who tells Christine she is being haunted by a dark spirit. At home, Christine is attacked by the entity and has visions about the old woman. At work, she hallucinates about her and bleeds profusely from her nose. Amid the chaos, Stu steals an important file from Christine's desk. Christine goes to beg Sylvia for forgiveness, but discovers she has died. 
Christine then returns to Joss, who explains that as long as Christine is the owner of the accursed button, she will be tormented by a powerful demon called the Lamia for three days until she is dragged to hell. He suggests a sacrifice may appease it. Christine reluctantly sacrifices her pet kitten. She meets Clay's parents at their house for dinner, where she is again tormented by grotesque hallucinations. Christine returns to Joss, who in exchange for $10,000, introduces her to Sandina, who prepares a seance to trap the Lamia in a goat and kill it. Surprise, surprise, things go wrong, and the Lamia inhabits first her body and then her assistants. Sandina exercises the Lamia, but dies from the fight with her adversary from her youth, the initial scene. Joss seals the button in an envelope for Christine and says that now she can only remove the curse by passing the button on and the curse on to someone else. Christine decides to give the envelope to Stu, but ends up changing her mind. Joss informs Christine that she can give the button to a dead person, so she goes to dig up Sylvia's grave and gives the corpse the envelope just as dawn is coming. Christine arrives home and prepares to meet Clay at Union Station for a weekend getaway. On her way there, her boss notifies her of the promotion after Stu confesses to stealing her file. At the station, Clay hands her the envelope with her missing button he found in his car, not knowing its significance. She realizes they had mixed up the envelopes, one containing the button and one containing an old coin she gave to Clay who collects them. This means she gave the wrong envelope to Sylvia, so the curse was never lifted. Horrified, Christine backs away and falls onto the train tracks. Fiery hands emerge through the ground and drag Christine into hell. Clay, now holding the cursed button, stares horrified at the empty train tracks with no trace of Christine. So how many cursed buttons do you give this movie? I gave this movie... Three out of five cursed buttons. It's very generous of you. I know. <laughs> um, so even though it is super gross, I didn't take... I like that the film didn't take itself too seriously. It's both disgusting and hilarious, which makes me extremely uncomfortable, on edge in a good way, and it has a really good ending. Good endings for me will always give a rating an extra bump. I find this ending to be terrifying because Christine, in my opinion, did not deserve what happened to her. And I really relate to Christine because it it would happen to me. I I would have acted just like her in the beginning of that bank scene. And there, even though she tried everything, it didn't matter. But I definitely will say, do not watch this with food or recently after you eat. Mm -mm, mm -mm. How many cursed buttons did you give the film, Julie? Well, I did give it an extra button for the ending because I also thought the ending was very, very good. And same, a really good horror movie ending will get extra points with me. But Mm -hmm. overall, I only gave it two out of five cursed buttons. There are two major problems for me with this film. And it's actually (laughs) funny that you said that you really related to Christine because she was one of my problems watching this movie is I found her very hard to sympathize with. I I didn't understand her mistakes. I didn't, I found her very hard to root for. I would not have behaved 
the way that she behaved for 90% of the movie. Oh, snap. Oh, I'm really excited. Yeah. But I also agree. The movie's just gross. I actually don't think that there's any moment in this movie where I'm scared. I'm just grossed out and uncomfortable. Mm. So Christine was really hard for me to root for, but probably even the bigger problem with this movie is how racially problematic it is. Mm. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's funny <laughs> how this movie... Elephant in the room. <laughs> We have watched two movies from the late 70s, early 80s, and this movie feels more dated than those movies because of how Mm. problematic it is. I completely agree with you. Gypsies are not going to curse you. (laughs) Spoiler alert. Gypsies are people. They're not like magical witches. (laughs) They're not plot devices to be used for. (laughs) No. (laughs) And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more when I talk about the true story. I'm going to talk about the trope of gypsy curses and how it's actually very hurtful to the gypsy community. The prejudice towards gypsies is probably the most socially accepted prejudice in the world right now. Like, I think that people know that you can't go around to strangers saying the N word without being accused of being racist. You can't Mm -hmm. say super offensive shit. You can't, you can't say coronavirus is caused by Chinese people. Like, there are things that mm. you know that you can't say. And there are people who are racist and say them anyway. But logically, mm. they know this is not acceptable. Whereas mm. I feel like there is some level of prejudice towards gypsies that is still socially acceptable. People can make jokes like, oh, mm. did you get gypped? Which is a play on gypsies cheating people. Or like, be careful mm. that gypsy's going to curse you. And nobody acts like it's racist. And then that's not the only racist thing in this movie either. Like this movie is rampant with <laughs> magical people of color, which anybody who oh, is yeah. a horror movie fan knows what that phrase means. Magical people of color. Yeah. It's, it's this whole thing where white people go fumbling through these situations and then people of color appear and the people of color's purpose is just to save white people and to serve them and to be um to explain these magical happenings mm-hmm. that they don't understand mm-hmm. and these characters aren't given their own rich storylines they're only there to push forward the storyline of this probably less interesting white person imagine for a second that this movie was from san dina's perspective wow yeah how fucking good would this movie be if it was about san dina and her vengeance and her vendetta with the lamia yeah 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 but it wasn't sandina was just there to die for a white woman mm-hmm. so that's that's it <laughs> yeah no that's that is, you make really really valid points and i appreciate you speaking out on those okay so i have a question we have the scene at the beginning with the young sean sandina and the young boy who's being brought because he stole a silver necklace from a gypsy's wagon and he's cursed and the curse is the Lamia. And then that's what Christine is cursed with 40 years later by a very old gypsy woman and comes to Sandina asking for help with the Lamia. Do we think it's the same gypsy who cursed both the little boy and Christine or is this scene solely about Sandina? I think that scene's solely about Sandina. I think that if it was the same gypsy, they would have 
if it was Mrs. Ganoush, I don't want to just refer to her as the Gypsy Woman. <laughs> if it was <laughs> if it was Mrs. Ganoush, I think they would have made some further reference to that. Yeah. And I mean, oh, that makes the sense. premise this movie wants us to follow is that there's this whole gypsy community. We saw them at Mrs. Ganoush funeral and that mm-hmm. they're cursing people. That's what this movie wants us to believe is happening. Okay. It wasn't just one woman on a rampage who's obsessed with the Lamia and cursing everybody left and right, right. for misdeeds. <laughs> at least I don't think so. Who knows what Sam Raimi was going for? But that's true, though. I, I'll get into it when we get to my little section about the Easter eggs he puts in. So you're right. I think if it was intentional, we would know. So I kind of want to talk a little bit more about how much I hate Christine. <laughs> that's totally fine. <laughs> and then I'll talk about how much I see myself in Christine. <laughs> well, let's just kind of go back and forth with this. Would you date a dude who couldn't stand up to his mother? <sighs> okay, so... They were dating for, what, a year, year and a half? Something, like, it was a new relationship, but it was getting serious. Yep, and they weren't living together. They were doing and that pseudo-living together thing where they both have their own places, but they spend a lot of time at the other person's place. Okay, and then this was the first time she was meeting the parents? I think so. I don't think I could. Yeah. I mean... One thing I remember my mom telling me when I was younger (laughs) was you don't just date the person, you date the family. And I would not want to date Clay's family. I don't know if I agree with your mom on that, but I still agree with the overall sentiment (laughs) that I would not continue dating. Well, I mean, I would, I would date Justin Long. I would not date Justin Long's character in this movie. Clay, that's his (sighs) name. (laughs) Yeah, I would totally date Justin Long. That's not even a question. No, not a question. It would just be a major turnoff for me to hear that phone conversation that Christine hears where he's like, mom, mom, just listen. And his mom just running, railroading him and he's not mm-hmm. doing anything to stop her. Mm-hmm. And like, you can't stand up to your mommy. And I don't know a ton about the banking industry, but she seemed to be kicking ass at her job. Like, is that not respectable? I don't know. I mean, potential girlfriend was a lawyer, so... No, who knows? <laughs> oh, right. Right. I guess I guess that's true. <laughs> I mean, potential girlfriend sounded pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> if we do say so ourselves. Who wouldn't want to date lawyer? We're awesome. Uh, We're so fun at parties. <laughs> Tie that back in for me for Christine and why you don't like her. Well, I think that by continuing to date Clayton when he wasn't doing her the courtesy of standing up to his parents to be with her. And to be fair, he Mm. did kind of start to do that near the end of the movie. But initially, he wasn't standing up to his parents to be with her. I feel like that shows that she's a bit of a doormat herself. Maybe she's a little desperate. Mm. And it could just be that I'm finding reasons to dislike her. (laughs) You're totally allowed to dislike her. It's also, I didn't (laughs) like her professionally either. And not just because I wouldn't want to work in the banking financial industry like that would not be my thing. Mm-hmm. The profession, I couldn't really root for her either because I'm just not that ambitious. So her whole, <laughs> I'm going to deny this woman's loan because I want this promotion. I don't know. Fuck, man. Oh, I love that we're actually kind of disagreeing on this one a little bit because I got the sense that she didn't really have a choice about Her boss told turning... her it was her choice. He literally said... It's your call. But what he's saying to her is like, 
it's your call if you don't want the promotion. Yeah, and I would have given her the loan. Oh, I don't think, I don't know if I would. Mm, I'm disappointed in you. (laughs) So I feel like Christine didn't have a choice. That when she went to talk to her boss and she knew she was in the running for the assistant manager, assistant to the regional manager (laughs) position, (laughs) that he tells her it's her choice, but he's so clearly setting her up for this choice is the choice I would pick. This choice will get you that promotion. The other one is up to you. And that's still a choice though. True. But I feel like it's a very heavy handed guided choice. Um, One that I don't think I would be strong enough to make. And because of the fact that this isn't a woman coming to her on her first offense, for lack of a better word, this is now a third attempt at a loan extension or, or what it was, I lose a little bit of sympathy. This isn't like, hey, throw her a bone. This is throw her another bone and another one and another one. And I don't know if I would have. Dear listeners, can you tell which one of us on this podcast is a socialist and which one is a capitalist? <laughs> <laughs> and which one is getting cursed? <laughs> Hashtag Nettie kicks old women out of their homes. But only sometimes. <laughs> but only sometimes. <laughs> this job, you know, I'm telling you, it hardens you sometimes. There are things where my heart bleeds over the silliest things, and there is stuff that I will just draw a really hard line on, and I just, I won't budge. But, yeah, so I, I relate so hard to Christine because I'm pretty much doing everything she's doing in this film, which is why it scares me. So I think that's where I gave it, like, that extra that extra point. Uh, the extra curse button. The extra cur- yep, the extra curse button is because I'm that bitch. So. Yeah, he's who's the fucking worst, man. I'm giving him the cursed button, I'm telling you. He's such a car- caricature of an antagonistic coworker that it's mm. almost hard for me to really hate him because I'm like there's this guy doesn't exist in the real world. Like this isn't a real person. Does that make sense? I still hate him. Yes. It makes perfect sense. I just feel like I fall for it. Like I fully fully fall for the caricature and I'm like, fuck you, Stu. (laughs) And then I don't know how old Stu is supposed to be, but then at the end of the movie, he's like, don't tell my daddy. I don't want him to find out. I'm like, wait, what? What's happening here? Like I I was not sympathetic at all. I kind of forgot that she didn't give Stu the button, that she was going to go give it back to uh, Sylvia and... When she decides not to give him the button, I was like, what are you doing? He's terrible. Right. So. And, uh, yeah, we're going to have to, we're going to talk more about this button thing because that's also something where Christine just pissed me the fuck off. Okay. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. Hang on. I'm going to take a big old sip and then I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Or do you want to talk about it right now? Let's do it now. <laughs> I would just, I would have no problem giving the button to somebody. I'm sorry. I agree. Yeah, I would have no, I would have no qualms. I would find somebody who's a fucking awful person. Hey, guess what? Sex offenders have to register. Oh, shit. You know, and just, I would find somebody and give them the button. It would be hard because Mm -hmm. you're not just killing a person. You're sending them to an eternal hell, Mm -hmm. but it's you or them. Mm -hmm. And so you just, you just find somebody and you give it away. And that's horrible. It's not the moral Mm -hmm. thing to do, Mm -hmm. but you got to do what you got to do. 
Yeah, and that's something exactly like you said. This is not on both sides. It's not just dying. It's it's cursing someone's soul for all eternity. And I don't want to do that. Yeah. I don't think I will do well in torture for all eternity. So I'm going to pass the buck to someone else and just push it right out of my head. Yep. And I, I definitely, though, wouldn't go to a diner and just look around for somebody. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, that is not that's not optimum people perusing. <laughs> no, and then she starts walking towards this old guy on an oxygen tank. I feel like she wasn't fully grasping the send them to hell forever. Because yeah. she starts walking towards this old guy on an oxygen tank. I'm like, why does he deserve to go to hell? I know. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, he's close to death, but honey, there's a, there's a part two yeah. to this curse. <laughs> And then they had like the little the little Carl and Ellie moment like from up where the old lady comes and she's bringing him his little piece of pie and then mm-hmm. she's like oh, oh what a nice that. surprise yeah so nice <laughs> um yeah it's actually it is interesting that she is able to turn so quickly back onto Sylvia as the person who deserves this um Without really appreciating why Sylvia cursed her in the first place. You know, it's like, well, you curse me, so I get to curse you. And I don't think that logic is unfair. Mm-hmm. But I also, some uh, there's a line in this movie that I find very interesting. And that is right after Sylvia Ganoush curses Christine. Mm-hmm. Sylvia says to her, soon it will be you who comes begging to me. And I find that line very interesting because she's not just like burn in hell, bitch. Mm-hmm. she literally is saying to Christine, you're going to come beg me to save you from this. So what I took from that line is that Sylvia planned to lift the curse from Christine when Christine came oh. and begged her. I never thought of that. And then unfortunately, Sylvia died in the interim. Yep. I don't feel like it's clear that Sylvia was actually cursing Christine to hell. Like that was her long-term intention. Or if she was just fucking with Christine and punishing her. Oh. That uh, but is then she really was going to save her at the end. I didn't think of that because because I think I was still misremembering the beginning and thinking like, oh, is is this is Sylvia the same um, gypsy woman's caravan that he, he stole the necklace from? And they wouldn't, when the little boy stole the necklace, they wouldn't take it back. And so I don't know, I guess obviously we don't know because that's just a short little snippet, but it seems like they were trying to kind of undo the curse and they were like, nope, you know, no exchanges, no returns. And so I didn't, I didn't really consider that if this was just meant to be a lesson or. But but do we know from the beginning that the little boy was actually trying to return the necklace to the person who cursed him or was he just, did he just take it to some gypsies and be like here's your necklace back. And they're like, nope, that's not yeah. our problem. Right. That's true. They do just say they wouldn't take it back. And then that's true. Cause if we, if we follow the line of what we learn to be the, the way the curse works, if you pass its owner on, you're passing the curse on. So yeah. So of course they wouldn't take, take it. it. Yeah. 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 I mean, especially in this film, it's kind of hard to relate to because we've never had to deal with a curse. Like who, who deals with curses these days? Well, I mean, <laughs> I I have. Nuh-uh. Yeah, I got no. cursed at work. Shut up! Are you serious? Oh my gosh, sorry. I just, like, shook the desk. <laughs> yeah, I got I got cursed in a courtroom. He, he cursed the whole courtroom. It, it was targeted at everybody, not just me. So I think I'm fine. 
but I actually can't talk about it any further than that because it's currently a criminal investigation. No! Not for being cursed. Cursing people isn't a crime. No, it's okay. It's okay. Everyone in this podcast agrees to confidentiality. This is a safe place. No one's going to rat you out. Well, I'll, I'll tell you later. <gasps> Suck it, listeners. <laughs> Oh, so excited. So um, when Christine, after she starts to feel like she's cursed, she decides to go and have her fortune told. Have you ever had your fortune read? I have not, but I know that you have, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did it in law school the last semester, right before we graduated, because, you know, big time of transition, and I wanted to know what was coming. And actually, I found the paper recently, but of course it's in another room, and it didn't contain as much detail as I thought. Um, yeah, and it was, it was actually, it was $60 as well. So, so it was, he was very on, he was on price for, you know, the services that he was providing. No inflation and, in the psychic community, I guess. Nope, guess not. Guess not. Because yours was, and, would have been about five years after this movie was made. Yeah. And in Topeka, Kansas. So oh, good point, good point. Versus Los Angeles. So, um, and I thought it was really cool. It was very vague. Um, I think it provides a fair amount of comfort depending on how much you want to read into certain things. And then there were clear statements that I knew didn't apply to me and were just generalizations. So I choose to take what I could from it. And, you know, looking back, one of the couple things she said was that my, my king of hearts would have a J in his name. And so I, you know, and then, you know, my husband. So that, that was pretty cool. And she talked about, I was going to work with children and become an advocate for children in my later years. So there was some cool stuff that I just sort of liked the vibe of. And then there was stuff that totally was swing and a miss. So. So do you, cause you don't believe in ghosts. Do you believe in psychics? I don't think so either. I'm sorry, but I, I do believe I do. I'm coming around to believing in energy and that there are people who can sense things and what you decide to take from that is the power that you give it. So if I talk to someone and they tell me something, you know, really powerful that I choose to feed into and give energy to that is going to manifest. So whatever whatever that category, whatever path up the mountain that is classified as spiritual woo woo. I'm coming around to it. Sure. And so I think we both said how much we loved the ending of this movie. Tell me more. Tell me more about why you like it. Well, I love a good twist. Yeah. Just that'll always get me if it's a really good unexpected twist. And mm. I didn't expect the button to not have been in that envelope even though they set it up for us like as i'm re-watching it i thought i'm like this should have been obvious because why was it why did they even bother to put in that stupid envelope that's just ridiculous mm -hmm. so it should have been obvious that that something was going to happen mm -hmm. but i really thought that this was going to be a christine is a final girl and she's gonna live to see another day so i didn't expect I didn't expect Clayton to have the button. <laughs> and then when he pulls it out and there's that realization, oh my God, oh. she didn't break the curse. 
which I'm also confused about because wouldn't the wasn't the curse supposed to get her that night? So why she lived pretty far into the next day, but whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it still made that good moment. But then she falls on the train tracks, and that's terrifying because the train is mm-hmm. coming for her, and Clayton's screaming, and he can't do anything to save her. Mm-hmm. I not as crazy about the earth opening up and all the arms like pulling her into hell. <laughs> the CG was bad. It was a little cheesy. I wasn't that into yeah. that part. But yeah. overall, I thought the ending was really good. Yeah. I, I completely agree with you. I, I love the twist that it took and, and falling for the, yeah, the button is in the envelope and, oh, it's all going to be okay. And now this is the, you know, the colors change in the movie. Everything is, is bright and colorful and sunny and, you know, and then we have the realization of, I never gave it away. And again, for me, it's horrifying because I did identify with Christine that she did nothing wrong in my mind and is now punished to a life of eternal, or not a life, I guess, but an eternity of torture and, and misery. And I'm just like, that's that's harsh. That's terrifying. I don't want that to happen to me. Well, the crime definitely does not fit the punishment. <laughs> like, there's definitely a disproportion between the crime and the punishment. Yeah. Yeah. It's also interesting that Mrs. Ganoush had all this power to just throw around these kind of curses, Mm -hmm. but she couldn't pay her mortgage. That was interesting. (laughs) Yeah. And she clearly had, like, tons of friends and family as seen at her wake. And when when Christine even tries to take it a step farther and is like, hey, like, I see you listed your daughter here as a reference. Maybe you could stay with her. And she's like, I don't want to be a burden. It's like, okay, well... This is not the time to be polite and worry about being a burden. Um, yeah. Old, old people are entitled to their dignity. And they they deserve their homes. A but 70-year-old woman should not be kicked out of her home. But is it Christine who's really the one kicking her out of her home? I, I think that Christine was given a choice in the bank. Mm-hmm. And the choice would have been sacrificing her own promotion, but it's her promotion versus an elderly woman having a place to live. Yeah. I'm really That's excited. Really where I'm I, at. Yeah, I really want listeners to chime in. I wanna I wanna hear what other people think about about that. And I'm curious if I'm all alone or because <laughs> I, I never I never thought of it that way. I just identified so hard with her that I didn't even it didn't even cross my mind. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I I don't think that what she did was worth being cursed over. Yeah. But, like, definitely not worth having to go to hell. Like, maybe give her a curse where, like, her hair falls out and then grows back. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's a good thing I can't curse people, man, because I would would have cursed so many people. Just just petty curses, though. I wouldn't want to send anybody to hell, but I would totally pull out some petty fucking curses. Okay, and then... We both own, it turns out, the director's cut of this movie. (laughs) And uh, how did you enjoy your director's cut edition? Well, I don't know what the difference is between the two. I didn't watch both versions. Oh, I thought we had watched the theatrical version together. I think the one that we watched together was the director's cut because I think it would have been my DVD. 
Oh, yeah, probably. I don't know. There was something about me watching it this time around where I finally caught on. So I did. I will post this to our to our show notes page. There is a great website that has shot-for-shot comparisons. And usually I love director's cuts because sometimes you get more story or it ends up being a slightly different story and and a little more enriching. Uh, Spoiler alert, this one is just grosser. (laughs) It's longer and grosser. So it's like when you order double meat on a sandwich, the director's cut is double the blood, double the fluids, double everything. Ew. That's real nasty. Yeah. This one stuck with me more than the other times I've watched this film for some reason. And I was just kind of like, I couldn't shake the ick off. So. I think part of it is that I just don't really have a stomach for vomit and all like body fluids and all that nastiness. I I feel so passionately about this and I'm dying to know how you feel. So... I do not understand why vomit has to be shown in movies. What do they get? It has to be shown. Well, so when they do it, I feel like it's it's disgusting. I can't look at it. I look away. I feel like you could get the same effect by just miming it or making the sound or whatever. You don't need to show me. You remember how in Amityville Horror, when the priest, he has to pull over because he gets nauseous? You just hear him vomiting. You don't actually show anything. I appreciate that. This is a gross movie. There are so many body fluids in this movie. (sighs) The scene in the bank Mm -hmm. where Christine just starts vomiting blood all over her boss. Oh, no. She's not vomiting. It's spewing out her nose. No, it comes out her mouth, too, at one point. Right. Doesn't it? Like... I think so. I think what happens, okay, she, it starts coming out her nose, then it happens, then she opens her mouth, it comes out her mouth, and then when she closes her mouth again, that seems to increase the pressure as it's spewing out of her nose all over her boss, who does have one of the funniest lines, did it, did it get in my mouth? That's fair. Like, like, oh, oh, honey, it got everywhere. <laughs> I had a moment, especially since he's opening his mouth screaming. There's a lot of, pe- like, stupid people in this movie who, like, gross things are happening around them and they open their mouths. Like, yes. when Mrs. Ganoush's body falls on Christine oh, and, no, like, the embalming one. fluid's oh, coming out of her and Christine's laying over her mouth open. I'm like, you fucking, close your goddamn mouth. What is oh, wrong with you? Yeah, no, that scene just, that kind of brings it right on up for me. Just, no way. Yeah, and and plus, especially when her boss is standing there in the bank just getting, you know, sprayed, how do you not just turn? Like, I know that I'm one of the person, like, of, what is it, fight, flight, fuck or freeze. I'm a freezer. <laughs> like, I, I freeze up, but I also don't think I could stand there while something was just being sprayed in my face. Yeah, I think that a normal person would turn away, except I guess maybe the shock. What I found really interesting about the scene is that nobody asks Christine if she's okay, and nobody offers to call an ambulance. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a lot of blood. Because it was an obscene <laughs> amount of blood, and everybody's just a little like, this is so gross, you're gross. I'm like, she's clearly having a medical emergency. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, of all the fluids that we should be concerned about, blood is at the top. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that if she was also uncontrollably shitting her pants, they still shouldn't. They probably should have called her an ambulance. Like anybody, any like excessive amount of uncontrolled fluid leakage yeah. should maybe be dealt with by a medical professional. Yeah, I agree. Oh man. Yeah, and then even like the dinner scene or where Christine is meeting Clay's parents and the cake and the flies and oh it's so <laughs> i did really like that moment when she's coughing and a fly comes out of her mouth and they <laughs> parents just have this look on his face like their face is like what the fuck do we he just do puts his fork down like yeah we're done now <laughs> oh man yeah and then so... she screams at the wall i hear you leave me the fuck alone really christine you have no control over yourself you know yeah. that the voices you're hearing aren't actually there. Yeah. You know that you're just going to make yourself look crazy in front of Clayton's parents. Get, get your shit together, girl. Yes. And actually, one thing that I want to point out, too, that I did notice where I I felt Christine starts off. And again, I'm a little more sympathetic to her. I felt like as this very naive and innocent girl. And throughout the film, I don't know if it's the power of the curse or whatever, she starts to get kind of nasty. She has these outbursts that, you know, like when the, when she's got the, what she believes to be the button in the envelope and she's sitting at the diner just ordering coffee. Oh, and, and like, it's really nasty with the server. Yeah, who just says like, hey, you just want me to serve you coffee for hours? Like, that sucks. I, I make my living off of tips. And she goes, I'll give you a tip you won't forget. And I was like... What the hell is your problem? And then it goes back to being like, oh, who should I look at around this, around this diner? And I don't think that that, her frequent outbursts, I made a note of her frequent outbursts as well, because I also found them off-putting. I think there's some argument that when your anxiety is so out of control, that's probably a normal way to release some of that tension is to freak out on people. Mm Mm-hmm when your anxiety is just boiling over to the point where you can't handle it, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't make a character likable and it doesn't make you want to root for them. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. There was another, Oh, when she screamed at her coworker, Stu, who we both hate. Mm -hmm. Stu's the worst, but he's standing, sitting at her desk and she screams in the middle of her office. Get your pig knuckles off my desk. Yeah. Hey, guess what, Christine? The only person that looks bad right now is you. Mm -hmm. You just screamed at your coworker in the middle of your work. Yeah. Yeah. You made a note about the curse ending with Christine. What did you mean by that? Oh, yeah. I mean, so I just, I just, I feel like it was just, I want to confirm with you that once Christine is dragged to hell and Clay is left holding the button in his fingers and he kind of like looks at the button and sort of realizes what it has done to Christine. Is the curse over? Oh yeah. I don't think this is the kind of thing where the button is so cursed that now anybody who picks it up is going to get dragged to hell. Mm -hmm. I think it was very much targeted at Christine as her property. I don't, I don't think that Clayton's curse now is that, is that what you mean? Yeah. 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 I don't, that's how I feel too. That's how I feel too. I, I never thought about that before, though, that he's holding on to this cursed object. Is he now cursed, too? Yeah. Well, basically, and I'll, it'll be the last thing I wrap up on with my with my film facts is I just want there to be any excuse for a drag me to hell, too. <laughs> and that would be one of them is this curse button that. 
would you be excited about a Drag Me to Hell 2? Kind of, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> okay, so are you now ready for some film facts? Yes, now I am ready for some film facts. Hooray! All right. So, this film is the only PG-13 horror film that Sam Raimi has directed. And it was in order to not have it be an R rating, they cut out a lot of the more grotesque scenes and, and trimmed out a lot of the blood. And those are what you get to experience in the director's cut. So, director's cut is rated R. Theatrical version is PG-13. Well, I think director's cut is technically unrated. Oh, thank you. Adoy. When it comes to Justin Long... This movie was shot around the time that, if you remember, Justin Long was also the Apple spokesperson. Oh, I the... didn't remember that. And and so it's kind of a funny little thing they do. You see him using tons of Apple products in the movie. <laughs> Did Apple pay for the movie or was that just them doing that weird fourth wall breaking? I don't know. I, I, I'm never sure enough with sponsorship how that works. So Sure. I think no matter what, they were aware that we've got the I'm a Mac guy as yeah. as their film and then, and then coupling him with that. And then when it comes to the casting for Christine Brown, Ellen Page was actually originally cast for the role. Oh. Yeah. But then there's a lot of things where she, she basically cited scheduling differences and you can choose to read into that what you will. Some say there was conflicts. This was right around the time of the SAG strike. There was, she, she came out with Whip It in 2009 as well. And then there's also a rumor that she really just disliked the script when she received it. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, I... It, it would be interesting to try to see how you would convince somebody to take this role. And ironically, it's Sam Raimi who convinced Allison Lohman to take the part by telling her a ghost story over the phone. And the ghost story was actually the plot of Drag Me to Hell. And she said that she listened to the entire thing. And that's kind of what sucked her in. But is, I mean, who even is Allison Lohman? Like, is she in other stuff? I looked her up and not, not really, unfortunately. You'll also notice that at the very beginning of the movie, it starts with the very, very old Universal logo, kind of from the 1980s. And this was done intentionally as a specific reference to Raimi's first two movies, Evil Dead 1 and 2, which was his start in the horror genre. And the idea behind it was like, hey, we're going to start the film in 1969 when we see the Hispanic couple driving up to seek help for their son. And they kind of wanted that logo to sort of set the tone that, no, this is where we're starting. Then when it comes to that very iconic grave digging scene, it took about two weeks to film and the dirt was made out of what's called mud packs. And it was because Allison Loman was allergic. And so she would break out and turn red when it comes to any other product that was used. I guess there is a wide variety of mud for shooting scenes like this. I tried looking them up and I couldn't, I couldn't really tell. So it must well, be a... What was she allergic to? 
I guess whatever the other types of mud that were used, okay. she would have reactions to. So there was something about mud packs in particular that she said if they used those, she didn't have a reaction. Um, and then, but this kind of leads into a little bit of, I do think she's a bit of a badass. And during the film, sh during filming, she got shingles at one point and she said it was because it takes enormous amounts of energy to keep your adrenaline high where you're filming scenes when you're being scared all the time and fighting for your life and that's stuff that I completely forget you know when we talked about in The Shining with Shelley Duvall and the intense amount of pressure that she was under and all of the health issues that she suffered I sort of take for granted how much work it is to act like you're at a level 10 all the time yeah that's an interesting point I'd never really thought about that either yeah and she also told the daily record newspaper that shooting was so hard that she would have to take tequila shots every night just to get to sleep oh that's not that's not great <laughs> Um, she also did almost all of her own stunts. So you'll remember in that scene where Sylvia is inside the car with her and Sylvia is played by Lorna Rabber. They are, she's behind the driver's seat and Sylvia is choking Christine and she has her arm wrapped around her throat. Afterwards, they ended up comparing bruises because of how committed they each were to that particular scene. Wait, that old, the old lady mm -hmm. did not have a stunt double? Is that what I'm hearing? Yep. Not for, not for that scene in particular. Because I guess arguably that in and of itself wasn't a stunt. Just placing your arm around somebody's um, neck. And so, but I guess with Sam Raimi, he will not abide by anything that looks close to faking so he really encouraged them to go for it and they both did ending in a you know resulting in both of them actually maybe I'm, taking it a step too far i'm way more interested in that old lady doing her own stunts than allison <laughs> loman <laughs> sadly there isn't enough information all the information i can really find is is focused on allison man um, i hope that old lady kicked her ass <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure she did um, <laughs> And also in that same scene, Sylvia is just cursing away in Hungarian and that what she's saying translate is translating to shall the devil fly into you? And then it's bitch and whore in Hungarian. <laughs> <laughs> so Fair. Um, also with this is this is something that might redeem Alison Lohman for you just a little bit. In preparation for her role, she watched countless horror movies in preparation, even though she wasn't a big horror movie fan to begin with, she said, I would just sit there, turn off the lights, and watch films like The Shining. So I think I would have been her friend. <laughs> I, so that she could imitate the acting? Like, was that her purpose for doing it? I think it would probably be to just kind of immerse herself a bit more oh, just in to understand the, the genre she was better. taking on. Yeah. Okay. But I, I could be wrong. It could also just be the copycat. I don't know. Well, no, I, I more just wanted to know why. Why she, it's, as somebody who doesn't like horror, why she just was like, oh, I'm going to be in a horror movie, so I'm going to watch all these horror movies. If it was just because she wanted to understand the genre, that's totally, even if she wanted a copycat, that's totally fair, too. I was just curious. Yeah. The purpose behind it. 
You don't know. Um, and then I, the poor thing, she didn't quite understand that the film she was starring in was sort of meant to be a horror comedy until she watched it for the first time at its release. And she said she was initially mortified because people were laughing and she thought that that meant they didn't like the film at all. Um, and then she, she turned to Sam Raimi and he kind of gave her this look and she realized like, oh, this was the kind of movie I apparently was in. Yeah, I can kind of understand that. If I was going to be in a horror movie, and I'm not an actress, I have no desire to be an actress, but if I was going to be in a horror movie, I would not want to be in a horror comedy for that exact reason. I agree. I agree. So then, also, as as we talked about before, there is that lovely scene where Sylvia throws up all over Christine in her bed, and... It's I actually forgot of, about that scene. Oh, no, no, I'm not letting you forget. And it's, it's full of maggots. <laughs> and I know you've always wondered what they're made of. It's no, actually... I can't say I have. It's pasta. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. But I feel like the texture would still be similar and... Ugh. Thank it's you just... for ruining pasta for me. <laughs> I know. And it's all we have to eat because of the quarantine. You're welcome. We're going to be yeah, so skinny. I will admit, so skinny. I do have like two boxes of spaghetti in my cabinet right now for no reason except that I was grocery shopping yesterday. I'm like, I should get some noodles. <laughs> well, no, and noodles last forever. When you're in a pinch, heat up some noodles and you're good. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, so then next I have I have a good chunk about the evil dead Easter eggs. So I'm going to admit something that I hope people don't hold against me, but I have not seen evil dead or evil dead two yet. All right. Well, if you are a fan of evil dead, then this little section is for you. And if you skip it, I won't be offended. Julie, you have to listen to me though. Oh, okay. I can't skip. (laughs) You're not allowed to skip it. (laughs) Um, So there's a couple Easter eggs in the film. So Sylvia's busted up yellow 1973 Oldsmobile is the same car that's used in the Evil Dead movies. And apparently this has been included in every Raimi film. Um, One thing I was very proud of. Okay, that's the kind of Easter egg I do like. Oh, okay, cool. One thing I was really proud of I actually caught organically was that the license plate of Sylvia's car is 99951. And when that's turned upside down, it reads is 666. Oh. That's also kind of cheap. <laughs> I, I mean, it's the little things. I mean, if you're if you're going to have a license plate, if you're going to have a podcast number for people to call into, I might pick 666. <laughs> yeah, but this wasn't this wasn't a I mean, I guess hell is in the movie. I was like, this isn't a devil movie. Like, this isn't a Judeo-Christian horror story. And so I think that's why I was immediately put off by 666 as the, like, because it's the number of the beast. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, that's not really what this movie was, but they still had hell. So that's cool. I'll allow it. <laughs> you'll you'll allow it. You may proceed, allow counselor. It. All right. <laughs> Um, you also have to look closely, but you can catch a picture of a boat in Christine's house that resembles Anchor Bay's corporate logo. And Wait, Christine has a boat? No, no, no. It, it's a picture of a boat. Oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. 
Yeah, fucking sell that boat for 10 grand. Jesus. Right? That's exactly <laughs> what I was just thinking. I'm like, why would she not sell that fucking boat? I don't understand her life. Now this bitch deserved it. I mean. <laughs> um, and, and so this is an Easter egg become, because this is the company that released many special editions of the Evil Dead trilogy on behalf of Sam, Ra- Sam Raimi. Then there's the I'm going to get some line that Christine says while driving to the cemetery. This is a reference to Ash's line, come get some in Evil Dead. And when Christine's boyfriend Clay brings up staying at his parents' cabin where it's private and has trees, this is a direct reference to the cabin used in both Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. Or it could just be any cabin. In the woods. (laughs) (laughs) No, there's only one. There's only one iconic cabin in the woods. Sure. <laughs> He's claimed it. <laughs> um, and then and then last two things. So one is about the seance scene. And in the great room where they hold the seance, there are Greek letters on the wall from the book of Revelation chapter 12, which translate to, and they conquered by the blood of the lamb, wherefore rejoice heavens, woe to earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath, knowing his time is short. And then some of what Sean Sandina says is echoes these lines as well. But again, I'm confused because this wasn't a Judeo-Christian like horror film. Like this wasn't Judeo-Christian lore. I think the Lamia is this... from Greek mythology. Right. Yep. I think this could have been one of those throw a little bit of everything and see what sticks. Oh, okay. I don't know. I don't know. And then in the seance scene when they have the goat, that was done with a mechanical puppet, which obviously there were CG effects added in. And I guess the cast and crew would have some fun kind of making the puppet, you know, during between takes sort of follow different people with its really creepy ass eyes and Jesus and yeah I'd to... do that I would totally do that <laughs> of course you would you have done shit like that to me <laughs> um and then when um Milos the assistant and he's basically just demon fodder at that point because I didn't know his name and when you don't really have a name we just need somebody to kind of die for us um when he becomes possessed he's cursing in check and he's just saying things like sinner and your time has come and then like we kind of talked about in the beginning drag me to hell to question mark the answer is no (laughs) and but actually it was a recent answer that sort of spawned this so Sam Rainey was interviewed by William Bibiani for Bloody Disgusting, which is a resource I use a lot of, and you can see that in our show notes. And he said that if someone had a good story, he would maybe be interested in doing a second one. But he felt that there was such a definitive ending that in his mind, he didn't know where to start with a sequel. And with that component, I appreciate that. I don't like films that just because maybe it did well, we, we're going to try to just bleed a franchise dry as much as possible. Hence how we get, what is it, Jason in space at some point? 
I was so afraid you were going to say Freddy versus Jason because I'm like, that movie is a masterpiece. How fucking dare you? <laughs> I don't know fight. if I could define it as a masterpiece, <laughs> but I will no. say I've watched it at it's least flawless. three times. Flawless. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. I'm going to get, I'm going to like start training now for when we duke it out on that one. <laughs> um, I would but... change nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I regret nothing. I regret nothing. <laughs> so, um, the the writer of the article, he suggested that the sequel should be about Justin Long's character having spent the last 10 years studying the occult, trying to find a way to figure out how to bring the love of his life back. Okay, I guess I'd see that movie. I thought that was kind of beautiful. I mean, I don't know if I got love of his life necessarily from the film. I mean, I know he pulls out a ring at the end and it's clearly he intends to ask her to marry him when they go away on this little this little trip but there is something about what would you do if you saw this happen to your significant other do you just move on are you haunted do you dive into this and and try to become obsessed and bring them back no matter what because maybe you feel somewhat responsible I don't know. I thought that I was I think I cool. do a mix of dive into it and try to bring them back mm-hmm. with drink myself into oblivion. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I, I think, think I do I'm... a nice a nice blend of that. Yep. I think I agree with you there. And then once that all went through, it would then turn into, I just imagine the whole thing. <laughs> I feel like that's the thing. We talked about this a bit with the forest where you gaslight yourself yes when things no i think it was actually the shining where we talked about gaslighting yourself but you know like when you see crazy things we probably all seen things that we couldn't explain and mm-hmm. we found a way to explain them anyway mm-hmm. Nanny, i need more wine okay i'm gonna go get more vodka too okay 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 bye go bye. break <laughs> oh i'm sorry lacy did i wake you up i'm sorry Hello, Nanny, I can hear you. Oh, I hear you coming through the headphones. Hold on. (laughs) (sighs) I got real creeped out because I thought I heard you breathing into the microphone and then you weren't answering me. (laughs) Yeah, no, I definitely wasn't. Cool, cool. Cool, cool. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't think it was any of the dogs because they followed me thinking they were like, oh, mom's totally going to get her late night snackies. Mm. We love snackies. Tell me about, like you mentioned the Lamia and, and what some of the, the lore is behind the film. Okay. Well, first I want to start off by talking about a little anecdote I found on Reddit. Mm-hmm. Gotta love Reddit. <laughs> Just to show how people are still legitimately afraid of being cursed. Mm-hmm. This was a post that was made within the last few years. And this Redditor was in Italy and he encountered a woman who cursed him and he was so upset about it that he like didn't want to leave his hotel room shit does he provide more details well he's just like what should i do and (laughs) this is why i love reddit another redditor got on and commented and he's like i'm half romani gypsy and Uh i uncurse you go enjoy your (gasps) trip (laughs) oh see the internet does have nice people on it I'm like, well, I don't think that's how it works, but that was nice. It was just kind of warm my heart a little bit of this, yeah. like, dude, you're okay. I'm like, just, here, I uncurse you. Go have fun. Yeah. I mean, I guess we do have to be a little careful, because I don't know, do you remember in law school when you had the voodoo paper? 
Oh, I still have voodoo paper. Yeah, but I'll we, send you a picture we, of it for the Instagram. Oh yes, please. Um, we used it. Yeah, on, we did. On on on, a, on I think more than one person actually. If it had, if I had had any kind of like certainty that it worked, I would have used that whole pad. <laughs> That's true. I don't feel, I don't know. I don't feel like it, it did do what we hoped it would, but yeah, you know, we've, we've dabbled. We're badasses. We've dabbled in the occult, some voodoo paper. <laughs> we've you dabbled know? in the occult. <laughs> it's kind of the same thing. Okay. Sorry. I'm totally interrupting your section. <laughs> no, no, no. You're fine. Um, so let's talk about gypsy curses and television and movies. Yes, please. Academics might call gypsy curses cliche, but the modern colloquial is a TV trope. Mm. And in fact, if you go to tvtropes.org and look up Gypsy Curses, you can basically read the plot of this movie. Yep. So, step one. A gypsy is slighted in some way Mm -hmm. and curses the person they feel slighted them. Okay. Hence, Gypsy Curses are used as morality tales. Be nice or you'll be cursed. Regardless of that, the crime and punishment are often disproportionate. Like being banished to hell for denying a bank loan. <laughs> Step two. Cursed person will feel like there's no hope at all. Then miraculously, they'll find a rule or loophole, which will allow them to pass the curse on to someone else. Oh. Step three. We'll see said cursed person frantically trying to decide who to curse and being racked with guilt over it, such as the diner scene. Oh, apparently we're assholes for not even hesitating on step three. <laughs> right. Tough. We'll talk about that. <laughs> All the people they encounter will be adorable, innocent, and full of life. I, uh, we're not assholes. We just have more adversarial people in our lives. We're really, That's very yes, true. I would That's fucking curse true. this person because they yelled at me in court once. So. Yep. yep. And yeah, no, we, we, do deal with, we do deal with some bad people. Yeah. Step four. Curse person probably won't pass the curse on, but we'll find some other way to break it while maintaining their morality. Like love's true kiss. Which, that, I mean, that basically happened in this movie as well, except she is a fucking idiot, and mm-hmm. she gave Sylvia Ganoush a coin instead of a button. So, I really, you know what? a loophole. I'm literally grabbing a coin right now, and I feel like I have a button, and I want to compare the weight. Ooh! Oh, all right. All right. Okay. It's not as it's not as staggering as I thought. Well, remember it's in an envelope too. Yeah, I just like even feeling them in my palms. You know, I've got one of those like little buttons from whenever you buy shirts and they come with an extra button. I have like a whole drawer of those. Yeah. And I've got a little thing of change and I I can't quite distinguish the weight. So if they were in an envelope, yep. You know you're right. an adult when you have a button drawer. <laughs> Even though I don't know how to sew buttons and I've never replaced a button in my life, I have them all. I had to YouTube how to mend clothes, but now I'm a mending fiend. That's amazing. I think you have actually mended stuff for me. I might have. I'm pretty sure you have. I I, I do this thing where I pretend like I know how to do something and then mm-hmm. I YouTube how to do it. That's pretty much what I looking. do for my job. <laughs> there's not youtube you just get onto youtube and you're like how to lawyer (laughs) okay so the lamia i don't even know sam raimi just like heard the word lamia and was like cool that's gonna be a demon in one of my movies someday yeah so in ancient greek mythology uh, mythology 
the Lamia was a child-eating monster. Mm-hmm. And she was kind of like a, a boogeyman mm-hmm. that was used to, like, frighten and discipline children. Mm-hmm. And she did kind of have a, like, naturistic look to her. Like, kind okay. of like where they're like, oh, the Lamia looks like a goat or whatever. Uh, but she was half snake. Oh, okay. So, which is interesting, too, that he went with goat when he could have done snake. Because I personally think snakes are, I don't know. Some people right. think goats are terrifying. So well, that's it- fine. Exactly like you said about how this isn't like a Judeo-Christian film. Goat is so obviously iconically portrayed with the devil. Oh, is... I hadn't. But so are serpents. Yeah. That's I... a really, but I hadn't thought about that with the whole goat thing. I'm just I don't like, get any okay, credit cool. for it because I'm building it off of what you say. Um, and I mean, the other thing about the Lamia, so she's got kind of like two different mythologies to her. One is as like a boogeyman. And then the other one is as like a succubus. So either way, the Lamia is very feminine in the real mythology compared to a very masculine Lamia from Drag Me to Hell. Yes. And she has nothing to do with the Romani culture. Mm -hmm. Okay. It was an interesting, like he just, I guess he just heard Lamia and was like, that's a cool name for a demon. I don't know. That's a bummer. And, I mean, she is a a villainous character. I mean, she eats children. (laughs) I know, but that's the kind of stuff that I just think, I think, bless you. Lacey sneezed. (laughs) Um, That's that's the kind of stuff that I just think could have really made this film more is just, yeah, like that badass, evil, female energy, essence, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, and I don't I don't know what the answer to this would have been. I don't know if it would have been making up his own creature. I just I literally just googled gypsy demon mm-hmm. and I found Bosnian mythology. Mm-hmm. So, he could have I feel like they could have done a little bit of homework. Yeah, no, there there are gypsy spirits that they could have used and it yeah. would have had a little bit more Mm. even the way even the way the story unfolds you know at first it's like okay sacrifice a pet that'll fix it oops that didn't fix it okay so now we're gonna do a seance and put it in a goat no i don't want to move on from this (laughs) he didn't tell her to sacrifice a pet he told her she could sacrifice a small animal and she's like well i guess i'm gonna kill my kitten this just comes back to like how narrow sighted she was like, yeah. she thinks that she has to pick somebody in her immediate vicinity to give them the button. Like, she's like, well, this diner's nearby, so I guess I have to pick somebody at this diner. She thinks that she has to pick an animal <laughs> that's immediately by her. I'm like, you could have, I mean, don't hurt any animals. Sure, don't hurt any animals. Mm-hmm. But he told you that you could kill a chicken. Why would you go, I'm going to kill my kitten and not yeah. a chicken? Yeah. I mean, maybe because she's a vegetarian it's all the same to her. Like, she's like, any animal is terrible. Which Apparently. I, I yeah. understand. I understand that logic, but mm-hmm. I cannot imagine killing my dogs when I could go kill a chicken. Oh, hell no. Hell no. So, like, Agreed. if they were like, hey, the only way to save yourself is to kill your dog or to kill this chicken, I'd be like, that chicken's going fucking down. Yep. Yep. That's it. That's everything I had. <laughs> That's it. All right. Fair yeah, enough. Yeah, the real section isn't, isn't that long because... Everybody knows who gypsies are and everybody know everybody knows the rumor or the mm-hmm. lore that they'll curse you, but they won't. I mean Yeah. Gypsies are just a culture of people. They're just they're just 
people don't don't be scared of gypsies because you think they'll curse you but like treat gypsies with respect because they're Mm -hmm. people yeah they're not plot (laughs) devices yeah exactly yeah yeah no i think i think especially just even talking with you uh, i've already changed my rating like it's definitely a two like, all the things you pointed out that I didn't quite necessarily... I think I, I hope that I was able to at least recognize some of them, but maybe not fully identify and flesh out as well as you did. Um, what would be the law that you would enact from this film? Don't kick old people out of their houses. <laughs> Mine would be, when dealing with curses, there are rules, and look for the loophole. Yours is better. So, and I, I happened to catch it just because when, when he called and he was like, hang on a minute, you can give it to someone who's dead. I just couldn't help but think of like what we do in our careers where it's like, hang on, statute blank, subsection blank says, <laughs> except for, <laughs> it was like, really? You didn't fucking read the except for first? We could have skipped half this goddamn movie. You can give it to a dead person? <laughs> I would watch a whole TV show about that psychic. about him just saving stupid white people i don't know he didn't save her (laughs) well i guess that was her own fault that was her own fault she didn't save her damn self she didn't save her damn self she's not a final girl and if you ever do get cursed or you find out that mysterious curse that our listeners never get to hear the story about (laughs) actually stuck then you know that I'll help you find the loophole. <laughs> That's true. It's been a month and nothing bad has happened to me. So I think, I mean, except for coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Julie. Thanks for that. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> no, I think it's because, like you mentioned, and I won't give away any details, that he, he did it to the entire courtroom. When you, when you curse a wide swath of people, you sort of, you sort of lose lose the power behind that curse. That's true. And I think I did get like a cold after that. Yeah. I do feel like something <laughs> happened because you would, you wouldn't tell me the story, but you hinted like my gaslight is out or something. And Oh fuck. What did happen? There was, was some little minor inconvenience. I thought I was with your car. No. Uh, it'll come to you at like 2 AM. Yeah. And then I'm just gonna be like, fuck, that's what it was. <laughs> You can yeah. text me. I don't remember. Yeah, some, some there was some like minor inconvenience that was just annoying enough where I was like, is this the curse? That happened like two days after the curse. Like the liquor store has on my favorite type of wine. <laughs> I must be the curse. <laughs> oh my God, does this mean that I can blame everything that goes wrong in my life from now on? I literally was going to say the same thing. <laughs> like, this is cursed. That is cursed. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So you want to play a game? Always. Greetings and welcome. I want to play a game. Well, I already told you that I wouldn't sacrifice one of my pets to escape a curse. Would you? Hell no. Hell to the fucking no. Would you kill a chicken? Just say yes. Just say yourself. <laughs> yes. I mean, I would still be traumatized. Like, it is really hard for me well, I guess that's different. I'm thinking of, like, spiders, but that's because they are, like, they're an intrinsic fear for me. Um, but, yeah, when it comes down between eternal hell and a chicken, I'm sorry, chicken, I'm not a vegetarian. I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna take you. Um, but when it comes to my pets, I, I would die for them. So, I think that also means I would burn in hell for them. 
Okay, so question. If you are Justin Long in this scenario, you've been dating Christine Brown for about a year, and then all of a sudden she's starting to act differently, say that things are happening, you take her to your parents, you start screaming at the wall, would you stay with her and maybe ask her to marry you? Or would you break up? Am I... Am I 100% Justin Long in the scenario or am I, or am I, I feel like it's in the like, scenario? It's like 75% Justin Long. Like you do sort of have to be stuck in him a little bit. But okay. you have 25% Julie override power. Because Justin Long had a lot of dating choices. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Justin Long had women waiting in the wings that his mom was just going to set him up with. Mm-hmm. So I think that if I was Justin Long, I would break up with her. I would too. Yeah. Even though I identify with Christine, I would break up with myself. I now that being said, if Josh comes back from being deployed and acts a little wonky, <laughs> I'm gonna stick it out and figure <laughs> and like help him figure out like whether he's cursed or not. <laughs> so maybe I'm just being a bitch towards Christine. <laughs> no, you're totally fine. <laughs> Okay, and then I think I think we did already we already answered this question. Would you pass the button on? If so, to whom? So for you, so the answer people. was a stranger, or 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 are there more people? Oh no, my list is like, I have a list of strangers. I have a list of people I know. I have a list of <laughs> casual acquaintances. <laughs> there are yeah. so like if literally if I was in this scenario and some psychic told me all you have to do is give the button to somebody else, I'd be like, but how do I? out of all these people i love that answer i think that that is that is my favorite answer of all time oh, i, I love it you go back to sylvia and be like can i get some more cursed buttons like, yeah like hey sorry don't want to bother you i know you hate me <laughs> what about you um yeah i definitely would pass the button on and I don't think I would have a problem giving it to a stranger. And I think I do have a short list of people that um, I would not lose that much sleep over giving it to. Would you rather? Ugh. Okay, ready. <laughs> would you rather be haunted by a Yuri or be cursed? And if I'm cursed, it's like what happens to Christine. Yeah, same scenario. Yuri. Really? Not even a question. But you know how to break the curse. Oh. Shit. I always <laughs> pick wrong. I just, I am so, like, disgusted by what happens to her in this movie that there's no, there's no coming back from that. So, yeah, I'm still going to pick Yuri. Like, yeah. That's fair. What about you? I would, I would pick cursed, but only because I know how to break the curse. And you're a badass and you're strong. Uh, well, I don't know about all of that. <laughs> I <laughs> Also, I've been cursed for a month now and nothing bad has happened, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Except, you know, the world has coronavirus, but no. Just... Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Which we can clearly trace back to this. <laughs> I wonder if you can now blame everything that, that happens in your life on my curse. <laughs> on your curse. Well, no, the problem is right now I'm dealing with my own jinx of having said I don't believe in ghosts. 
That's true. Like I went You fucking did that to yourself though. Oh yeah. I was an innocent bystander to my curse. (laughs) Yeah. When I went downstairs to refill my drink and I was using the ice dispenser, like I don't know what happened, but suddenly ice just like went everywhere and I was just like, Yep, it's about right. It's a ghost. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh do you want to tell the listeners what movie we're gonna do next time? Yes. Okay. I'm really excited and I hope you guys are too. We are going to do Outbreak. Because mm, I love a good theme. Oh, yes. And I think everybody, especially with what's going on in this world, has to have seen this movie recently. Yeah. So I'm really excited. Me too. <laughs> okay. I'm excited, but also terrified. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So thank you guys so much for listening. I want to make sure that you guys know you can follow us on Instagram at Law and Horror Podcast. On Twitter at Law and Horror Pod. Make sure to check out our Facebook page, Law and Horror. We also have a website, lawandhorror.com. You can also email us at lawandhorror at gmail.com. If you have a story that you'd like for us to play or you just want to tell us something, you can leave us a voicemail at 909. 909- Six 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 zero one five nine. So always remember to never drop your weapon. And don't forget to double tap. Mwah! Bye. I love you. I love you too. <laughs>